Check one, two. Episode eight, booking confirmed. Dennis and Christian are here. Christian, what's up, bro? Yo, buddy. Good to be here with you. Oh, it's been a, been a week or so since we had our conversation with our buddy who's in the Housing Commission. Um, there is a Housing Commission meeting coming up next week, and he uh, challenged me to show up, and, uh, and so I'm going to. And so I think when we talked last week, um, you know, I, I, I brought up that you know, we'll talk about later in this episode this idea of guests are able to review short-term rental operators based off the product they're doing, and neighbors can complain to the city about what they don't like, about what short-term renter operators are doing. But is there's no necessarily grid um, for the city to come up with, whether it's a warning system or a strike system or something, um, to create a check and a balance, partially because of, of the lack of regulation. There's a lot of people doing short-term rental operating kind of uh, you know in the gray, in the fray. Uh, but I'm going to go there and listen to what they have to say. And, and propose like, hey, there has to be some rating system from the inside out of, of both that the short-term renter operator can rate guests and also rate the neighborhood too. Like, guys, let's work together here. This is a collaboration yeah. to make our whole city better and more valuable, right? So I'm going to go and, and express, you know, express my participation in the process. So Yeah, I, I think it's, it's great that you're going to go and, and make, make your voice public. It's also an audacious Totally. Because, yeah. like, I I don't give jurisdictions, government jurisdictions, that, like, enough credit for something like that. Which I mean, you, you I'm not to say they don't do a great job, but, you but they're not entrepreneurs. Totally. You know, they're not the kind of people who are going to build a new system to make it better. No, they're they're paper pushers. Yeah, but I'll... They, yeah. You know, and, and I get it. I, I think it could be an interesting proposition... Um, but it's, it's like they're struggling. And this is my issue with, with the city at this point is like, until you guys can get the illegal operators out, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why are you regulating me? Yeah. Like I'm over here paying thousands of dollars yeah. a month and you've got, you know, 50 to a hundred illegal operators that aren't paying anything. Well, and that's where I, th- I think when I heard, I heard Luke talk about this idea of how the system currently operates, it really is, and a lot of government places are, this idea of it's a complaint-based system. Yeah, and so sure. And so they don't have enough resources, and so it's just like unless something's broken, they don't have the proactive resources to address it, right? Yeah. But that is a bad rap for short-term rental operators. That are really trying to do the best uh, and produce a great product from a curmudgeoning neighbor that just doesn't want that happening on their street, right? And so this is the idea of a rating system that gives a check and balance both sides, right? And so if but if if there was some documentation that the same neighbor is doing all the complaining, well, I mean, there's not just one neighbor neighbor in that neighborhood. There's got to be a handful, ten, a dozen other neighbors like that aren't complaining. I mean, what's I mean, a simple system of as a short-term rental operator, like I would be even willing to like, hey, I'll, I'll go talk to the, I'll go submit some counter paperwork, but there's no there's no system of check and balance in there now, right? So if they're going to go through the through the hassle of assessing who gets to short-term rental, um, and then potentially like what happens from an enforcement perspective when there's a complaint, I want to say, hey, well, think of how many renters are doing great work. 
And it's not always a negative, right? They can't always control the guests. So I at least want to stir up some shit and see what happens. Yeah, and, and you have zero chance. I have zero chance, of, but that's okay. That's okay, though. That's zero okay. That's We're okay. talking about people who can't even enforce. That's okay. It's more so about having fun and being there with Luke. Non-permitted and, and also, too, kind of get to lay the land of who's really in charge of the city. Because I want to go there, too, and like scope out, like, all right, who has influence? Who does it roll up to? Who, you know, so just get... Do, do my due diligence too. So yeah. uh, so we talked about kind of topics for this ep- episode. I think you have an update um, that you sold an asset. So congratulations. Thanks, man. Yep. And so that's not a, an uncommon thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fist bump for all you listening. Um, that's not an uncommon thing for you as, you know, I think you look at your portfolio as kind of a, a, a poker hand, always trying to better the cards in your hand to become as profitable and as automated as possible. Um, so I want to get an update on your sale, especially in the market conditions that we're in continuing to go down. I just acquired a property in a down market, mm-hmm. which, you know, that was, uh, um, about a month ago, exactly today. Yeah, great um, and so turning that, turn that over and, uh, but want to get an update on your sale. And then we're going to talk a little bit about kind of some, some topics that have been on our list for a while about, uh, you know, the whole theme of, you know, five-star business practices for short-term rental operators, um, how much do amenities matter uh, from the perception of value, not just in the pictures, and then also kind of the review ecosystem that happens within Airbnb, how important it is, uh, how to become more systematic to increase your equity through reviews, right? Yeah. Cool. So those are the three topics we got going on today. Uh, give us an update on your sale. Yeah, so I, I think it's a, just to, to kind of talk more broadly – um, about selling in the current market, which we're currently in a recession-ish environment, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way, um, and um, definitely a inflationary environment, higher interest rate environment. So, as we've mentioned before, it's a buyer's market, yeah. right? Which makes it harder to sell assets right now mm-hmm. because affordability yep. is a big concern. Yep. Um, Particularly for people who are buying single-family homes as a resident. Mm-hmm. Um, interest rates are much higher. Um, and then um, if, from a short-term rental standpoint, you know, there's a lot more, as, we, as we've also talked about, there's a lot more supply in the market. Yep. And with the recession, maybe potentially a few less travelers. Mm-hmm. So um, supply is up. Demand is still high, but it's, it's supply has been outpacing demand. And then we're also heading into you know, the winter months, which for us in our market here are the low season Yep, from a short-term rental standpoint. But I think it's really interesting when you have a, so one of the big pros, if you have an established business, mm-hmm. um, you've got an established short-term rental that you've built. And, and this is why it's really important to, um, which this is a whole other episode, um, do your job on the bookkeeping and accounting side. Okay. So whether you do that yourself um, or you hire a bookkeeper, mm-hmm. um, you need to have like accurate records of profits, expenses. Um, you need to have a P&L. You need to have a balance sheet. So I would definitely recommend anybody like go get an online software. You know, get QuickBooks is kind of the most notable one. That's what I use is QuickBooks online. Mm-hmm. And then I have a bookkeeper okay. for all of my different LLCs. 
that does all of the inputting each month. And then she fires me questions. I fire her reports okay. um, from some different softwares we use. And she inputs all the data. And then I actually have a CPA that does my taxes at the end of the year. So just from a, a, a data and money hygiene perspective. Yeah. And if you're not, so I'm not an accountant, you know, I have, I, I've dabbled in QuickBooks and the business I worked in before I got into short-term rentals. Yeah. So I had a good understanding of it, which was actually helpful, mm -hmm. has been helpful for me to just understand how to work it. Yeah. You know, what I'm looking at, how to, how to dive deeper into different like line items. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, that's not something I want to do. Yeah. That's sure. not something I want to spend my days in yeah. the spreadsheets, just yeah. like inputting and coding yep. expenses and income. For sure. Right. That's not my strength. I don't have a background in it, which most people don't. It doesn't make you come alive? No, it doesn't. Okay. All right, fair enough. It doesn't tickle my whistle. No? It doesn't bring you energy? Tickle, tickle my tickle. something else. That's right. There That's we go. Right. There we go. You got there. You got there. <laughs> Wet my whistle. There we go. Oh, there we my. Go. There we go. We go a lot of directions. We're going to get back on the numbers. <laughs> have a CPA. Have an accountant. Yeah, and, and so, so, but, but, so this is why it's really important because when you go to sell a property – you have the data mm -hmm. at your fingertips yep. and you can produce a, a report. And so I was able to produce a report for the last 19 months that this property has been operating full, full 19 months as a short-term rental. Yep. And I could so, show my average top line mm -hmm. for those 19 months. Yep. And so I was able to build a pro forma. Mm -hmm. Like I built a pro forma for a buyer at current interest rates. Like, so at what you could currently go get in the market, yeah. interest rates, yeah. and if you buy it at the price we're asking for, which we were asking for 500000 mm -hmm. for this house, at this interest rate, which is what you can go get on the market yeah. today, your cash-on-cash your cash return will be 44%. So, I mean, that, that's a different mentality from you're – not, you're not selling real estate at that point. You're selling a business. I'm selling a business. That's so right. we're selling both. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the, when we position this house – You've got the actual real estate, mm -hmm. which you know any single family home could go for. Yep. But then you also got an established business yep. that you're selling, mm -hmm. which this business was about did about thirty thousand dollars net yeah. annually. Which what we did is we kind of put so we have the real estate component, and then from the business side we put a multiple of three okay. on it, so a three year multiple on okay. it. So the business valued at ninety thousand dollars, yep. give or take. And then we also sold all the furnishings. So the FF&E, um, yeah. fixtures, furnishings, and equipment. Okay. And we valued that, which we bought all new, mm -hmm. right? But probably somewhere around the $20,000 mark. We had okay. a $6,000 hot tub, okay. which we included in the sale. Sounds like an amenity. It is an amenity. <laughs> um, but we, so we, and that came with the property. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we listed this at, at, you know, five hundred thousand, which we thought was probably on the high end yep. for what this this was. We bought it, we bought it for two twenty one mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago. Um, you know, put about I think we put about sixty ish into it. When you when you bought it, were you planning on long term holding? Yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't a plan to flip it. The plan to the plan to sell actually only became recent when. We, I was doing some different analysis on properties, yeah. and one of the metrics, which I believe we've mentioned on this podcast, is is uh, return on equity. Yep. So return on equity looks at how much equity you have in this project mm -hmm. property, right? And then what's the return you get on that? Totally. What's the rate on that? Yeah. And so 
most of my houses, I like to have, you know, 30%, mm-hmm. you know, equity in there with yep. like 70% loan. Some of them have a lot less than yep. that. And yep. this one, because of how much appreciated, uh-huh. um, it, we, we, we only had a 10% down payment on this thing because it was a vacation rental. You forced appreciation. And on we it. did forced appreciation, yep. but it, it, you know, it appreciated from $220,000. To five hundred thousand dollars in a in a bull market in a bull market in a bull market right, right? You know, but still that doesn't matter because I mean you didn't choose to sell at the top of the market because it was it was probably performing really well for you right it performed top, really well for us yeah. I mean this property you know on average was doing you know thirty six percent cash on cash yeah for us it's great um, which was really good but it wasn't performing as well when I look at the metric of return on equity interesting and so what what we so saw so that's locked capital that you can't you can't actually deploy yeah so yeah. we had about three hundred thousand yeah. dollars of yeah. equity sitting yeah. in this house that unless we did a HELOC or a cash out refi, but we had a killer interest rate at like 2.9% yeah, on not, it. We're not cash out refining yeah. in this market. Uh-huh. And HELOCs, oh. typically HELOCs are adjustable rate mortgages. Yep. And so those rates are going up to like 8 and 9%. Yep. NSU and I have a couple of HELOCs, we do. which we're you know paying a pretty penny for right now. And paying off as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm right with you. Uh-huh. Um, when they're at 4%, I'm like, give it to me, give it to yep. me. But yep. now at like 9%, I'm like, oh man, I got to get this thing paid down. Yep. yep. So I didn't want to do a HELOC. So the, the, the best tool that we had was, hey, can we position this in a sale mm-hmm. as we're selling the, the real estate? Yep. Uh, we added um, uh, about 700 square feet of permitted space mm-hmm. to this house. We finished and got it big. permitted with the city, the which basement. Is, which is big. So that's big. Um, and we're selling all the FFE. So this is a turnkey, profitable vacation rental that based on a pro forma of what they could get in current rates – they could do even better than we're doing because they would have less cash in the deal. So question for you is if you didn't go and get those 700 square feet um, re-per- like permitted or conditioned. It probably added, wouldn't have appraised. It probably wouldn't have appraised for the five that you want. No. Interesting. Yeah. And But you also, when you bought the house two years ago, whatever it was, you saw that as untapped value, which was the downstairs. Is that right? We saw it as potential yeah. and, and we actually took a pass at it back at the beginning and we're working with a different planning department at that point and mm-hmm. they gave us a bunch of pushback hmm. on things that they wanted us to do but my business partner Josh on this property he built relationship through the newer uh, you know planning of the building inspector yeah um, through another project he was doing up there yep and kind of repitched it to him in this last year and 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 the guy was like yeah we could you know you know send me some plans and so we, we had a little bit more of a, a inside route yeah, for sure. to actually get it permitted. And yeah. so originally we were kind of looking at the ADU model mm-hmm. and then we just added as per, finished permitted square footage. And yeah. so that was awesome. Yeah. And that was really key for us to, to appraise. I mean, the value was still there yeah. as far as the performance because our, our numbers actually were all based on just renting out the upstairs yeah. and not the downstairs. So I also made the argument in our in our positioning of the sale that hey there's an additional 700 square feet full bath kitchenette two bedrooms that you're actually adding to this listing that we've never even listed it as so what you're saying is you can make more money so you can say if your nightlies are going to go up yeah you can accommodate more people or you can technically treat it like at adu if you wanted to Um, but overall there's more opportunity 
and more upside to go sell to the market. That makes sense. And and for us, it made sense. Like I think this is still a great property. I think there's still a future in it. Um, you know, based off potential regulation coming down the pipe, it's well positioned from a zoning standpoint in Mount Shasta. So I was definitely not willing to part with it. Yeah. But our whole play was let's take the equity we have in this, sell it, and do a 1031 exchange, mm-hmm. which is which is a way you can redeploy sold sold a sold real estate investment property into yep. a new real estate investment property without paying capital gains tax. Yep, for sure. Um, so we're doing a 1031 exchange, and we're currently, which hopefully I'll have an update in yep. the near future, trying to buy another property right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're in that process yep. of, of leveling up into something bigger. So just for people who, I don't know, I don't, if people are listening to this and don't have their first home yet, right, it's probably not for them, but for future reference, this idea of uh, when you sell an investment property, uh, a 1031 exchange, how many days do you have? How many, how many days do you have to identify a property, to the, redeploy a capital, to commit to it? What are, just high-level details on it. On yeah, so just things. real quick, you'd actually work with a, a, a 1031 broker. Okay. Um, so it's an actual agency that's licensed in 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. They get you, you connect them with your title company. Okay. And so when title, when the property actually sells, mm-hmm. the cash goes not to you, the seller. The cash goes to this 1031 exchange company who holds it in escrow. Interesting. And from the date of the sale, you have 45 days to identify a property. Yep. There's literally a form you have to fill out, which mm-hmm. we'll have to fill out here in, in, a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Of you can list up to three properties that you on potentially will close on. Oh, okay. Got it. And, and prospect, and prospect, prospect. Uh huh. Yeah. And you, after that 45 days, you have to list, you can list up to three. And you have to close on one of those three to avoid capital gain tax. So the whole play with 1031 is to delay taxes on the proceeds of, a, of an investment property. Yep. Kick it down the road. Yeah. Just keep kicking it down the road. Kind of, roll, kind of a, a rollover, an IRA. Sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. Yep. And so then after, after that 45 days from the, from, the, from, the, from the date of sale, you have a total of 180 days okay. until you have to close on said property. So, so five months. Yeah. You've got five, six months okay. to do it. All right. Um, so you've got time, yeah, um, but you have to identify one within forty-five days. So pressure, know. pressure on that that list of three, though, right? You gotta, you gotta <laughs> close yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea is you go shop a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You get a, you get three properties in escrow, yeah. ideally, mm-hmm. and you close on one. Yeah, that's the idea. All right, behind it. How are you um, how are you feeling having executed that sale? Do you feel? Like, I feel great about the sale. I yeah. mean, and worst case scenario for us, like. Going into this current market where, you know, there's some uncertain, more uncertainty, yeah. you know, in this market, I'm still, you know, confident enough that I'm ready to redeploy that cash yeah. is my first choice mm-hmm. into a bigger property because I'm still building. Yeah. I'm trying to level up into more units. I'm trying to turn one door into eight doors here. And right now, like we have, we still have probably a year of hardcore buying season ahead of us. Totally. And so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to buy right now. Yeah. However, the, the backup plan we have right now is essentially to just take that cash. Cash hold. Yeah. And so we'd pay capital gains tax mm-hmm. on it, yeah. but then I'd have the cash as just a backup protection. Super secure. You have dry powder. Something comes on the market or sure. if you have a big crash, you're going to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Which this is the winter uh-huh. right now. Yeah. You know, we're, we're recording this in December, yep. like the slow months in our region here. Mm-hmm. 
the slowest months are November, December, January, February. The cold months. Yeah. Yeah. So the winter months are the slowest months. And then, you know, the fall, spring are the second slowest or kind of the shoulder season. And then summer's... And then summer's the peak. So, so, so with I, I know a little bit of background around the the deal you just sold, and it's uh, one of the only deals that you have. You went in with a partner, like a, a couple, right? Yeah. And so it's you. It's not just you and your your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's not just you and Holly, but it's actually another couple. Yeah. Um, talk talk through a little bit about the dynamics of making decisions, not just you know what does your wife feel about the business shift slash pivot idea, but you know having to kind of source and come into consensus with with two other people, another couple, and making a business decision to sell and redeploy. Do you feel like it's more sat, like, do you feel safer, right, just because of who they are from a business standpoint? Because they're business partners, right? You guys are business partners. But, I mean, usually when it's just you and your spouse, like, hey, it's our money, it's our mortgage. If we're going to buy another property and move into it, that's our inconvenience. All right, there, there's, that, that, that's more contained. The, the more people you add into the conversation, the more cooks you have in the kitchen, right? It, it becomes a different scenario, especially when the side of like, hey, we, we think there's 300 grand here to redeploy. What does everyone think about that? How did that process go? Yeah, yeah, that actually went pretty well. I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's um, I mean, this could be a, a massive conversation yeah, yeah, about totally. partnerships. Yeah, uh-huh. and I've got a lot of thoughts on partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple different ones. All have, have gone well, but not without their own challenges. Yeah. Because um, like you said, it's it's not just you and your spouse who have your own kind of working relationship and mm-hmm. how you guys make decisions. You're also adding other people yep. that, that have other finances, other deals, yep. other timelines, other time restrictions, other things to consider. Expectations, man. Yeah. And wow. so it's it's definitely challenging. And then, and then the way a partnership is set up as far as like um, money, mm-hmm. you know, what type of investment each, each – both money and time. Yeah. And responsibility. So, like, there's a lot of things to consider and a lot of different ways of doing partnerships. Yeah. Um, this partnership, I, I really enjoy this one, and I think I prefer this model. It takes the right partners to do it, but we're we're 50-50 time, 50-50 money. Cool. So, we're kind of all in it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, it's uh, – another partnership I have is, is one where – um, we're not 50-50 time or money. I'm the managing partner mm-hmm. that kind of does the work. I get compensated for it. Yeah. And then I have financial partners that are, are, are involved. They're not like completely out of it. Yeah. But on a day-to-day level, they're not involved. Yep. They're kind of involved more strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very different model. Yeah. Um, and and that, I think that's a whole different conversation yeah, of how, sure. to, how to set up different types of partnership. I think that would be really fun actually yeah. to think about what different types of partnerships are available mm-hmm. to you and yep. different structures of financial compensation. Well, that goes into a, a, I mean, it goes back to a funding financing conversation. Yeah. How do you put together the deal? Where do we, and, and, and the money is, is a significant part of the deal, right? Of sourcing liquidity, but it's not the entirety of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, and so, there's, yeah, and there's, yeah, but, but so this one, yeah, I, we really enjoy this. Um, we're, we're both, uh, both parties here are full-time real estate investors, and that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. I mean, they, they have some other things they do on the side, mm-hmm. um, but this is what they do. Yeah. This is their primary. This is their focus. I think it's really cool when you think about partners. Yeah, temperament's a big thing. Yeah. You, know, you definitely have to be able to work through challenging things because we're always having challenging conversations as we're getting on the phone here. Yep. You know, we're trying to you know start this podcast. I'm going back and forth with emails with them, yeah. you know, trying to deal with the sellers of this property we're trying to buy. Yeah. 
you know, we're on the phone this morning and we're on the phone last night. Like we, we've, I've talked a ton with these guys and our real estate agent oh, yeah. over the last, you know, month just I'm, working on this deal. I mean, saying that like partners is an understatement. Like you guys are literally like from a day to day delineating who's doing what. I mean, you did a ton of research. You did a ton of prospecting. You did a ton of researching areas and deals and bringing it to the table. Like your, your part of it was you're the prospector. You go out and you, you go and find the deal and bring it to bring it to the team, right? Yeah, and we don't have, like, uh, interestingly about this partnership, which I kind of enjoy this, we don't have clear-cut roles. Like, you're the this and you're the that. Like, yeah. we have, um, we, we all kind of jump into our different strengths. Um, like, uh, one of my, my, my wife, she, she doesn't get involved as much on this front end of things. She gets involved on uh, the back end, and so she does all of the, um, you know, management as far as um, cleaning's concerned, operations are concerned. So her job's actually huge, kind of long term for the business. But on this part of it, she's just not as involved in it. It's not as much of like what her interest is or what her strengths are. She kind of more is like management of day to day operations, which is great because the rest of us aren't as interested in that component. Whereas um, another one of uh, one of the partners is really good with construction. You know, his background is in construction management. He's a contractor. He's a licensed contractor. And so whenever we have construction components, whether it's you know trying to permit um, the downstairs of, of the property that we sold, or you know this property we're trying to buy has a a, a number of uh, repair items we want to put together. And then, uh, and then also, you know, there's some stuff that we found out in the inspections that are significant construction concerns. So he put together kind of our bid on that side of thing. And then we were doing it, me and him would kind of co-manage the actual, you know, construction component. But if there's more of like a, um, you know, technical question that comes up, yeah. we're going to lean on him. Yep. First, if I'm on my own, then I'm yeah. going to take care of it myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to go find a consultant. Or often I'll bring this guy, Josh, part of my partner, Josh, in yeah. to a project I own and be like, hey, consult with me on this deal. Totally. I mean, he's done that with you. Yeah, yes. You know, the house you just bought. Yep. He came and looked at the ADU, potential uh -huh. ADU. Yeah. And which I always did with Josh on mine and was like, dude, let's look at this garage. Yeah, yeah. What can we do with it? Yep. And he's like, dude, this is bomber. Yeah, yeah. Roll. Yeah. This is going to be easy. No problem. Let's go. Yeah. Which is just peace of mind for us, It's which it's uh, mitigating risk or de-risking the, the investment, right? Yeah. Outside the potential. So, so it's important. Like, so, so one reason I really like, you know, these particular partners, you know, Josh and April, uh, they're a couple. Josh is great on the construction side and much more technical. So I can really lean on him in that. Can I do that? And can I find the people? Sure. But is that my background? No. You know? He's a, re he's a retired general contractor. He's a designer. Like, he's a pro. Yeah, he's, he's a pro. pro. Yeah. He's a pro. And, and um, even if I, he wasn't my partner, I'd, I'd be bringing him in from a consulting standpoint yeah. to lean on him on things yep. when things come up like that. And then April's, like, really, like, dialed in, like, communicator, negotiator, like she's great with like people, like on this whole front end of buying, like when I go, like uh, there's a, a couple of deals I was sourcing where I was acting as our, our, Broker. you know, our real estate agent yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before I brought in Todd, our real estate agent on this deal. Yeah. And I was going back and forth with these agents. And I'm like, dude, I hate this. <laughs> like, I'm not a great, like, I'm not cut out. I'm not a great, oh, yeah. like, like I'm so direct and yeah. blunt. Yeah. You're a like, problem for the people. I dude. just end up in fights. Uh -huh, yeah. 
with, with like, 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 and that's why I've always worked great with Todd. Yeah. He's been my real estate on every deal I've closed because he's a great like temperament to me. Totally. Like I can like, I can just like mouth off to yeah. Todd yeah. and then he's like, yeah, I'm going to phrase it a little differently. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, here's my point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Here's what I want to communicate. And he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, okay. And so we can kind of talk it through and he's yeah. a great, like, like he's a pro. Yeah. He's a pro. It's what he does. And like. Yeah, which real estate agents are another partnership you form, right? Along the way. For sure. And I have like 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 now like going through this this current cycle I've been going through. Yeah. Like I have and I think I mentioned this before. I have such a more value, like a higher value for, for Todd. Yeah, yeah. And he's such a great agent. Yeah. And he's like a, a great if you're listening out there, Todd, love you, bro. Mm-hmm. Um he's a great strategist. Yeah. Like not all real estate agents are that, but yeah. he's like an investor friendly agent where he's a great strategist. He's really thoughtful. He thinks through the thing deeply. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. He's he, in a way, he's his own like tactician when it comes oh, to it. Oh, for sure. Like, he's super tactical. Yeah, which we love you, Todd. Um, yeah, I hope, we hope you listen. I know you're busy. But. You know, but, but April's the same way, and yeah. so like uh, she's a way that you know, like like you know, we had to go like you know, we're negotiating with, um, you know, you know, different government bodies in this in this situation, or putting together emails, and yeah. so. She's she's a really good communicator, and mm-hmm. so she does a lot of that, like like the face, yeah, for sure of us. You know, she's she's a kind of a gentler approach than me, and she's super pro too. Yeah, and super then when pro. someone needs to play bad cop, like yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. like throw me in the <laughs> t- pen. T- like I'm ready to go to Bose. Let you know? me tee off. <laughs> we need to set the edge, but it's, it's, the it's edge. not always the way to to to, to start. It, well, it's not a way to soften up to close. Close quickly, right? Uh, but it depends on how people want to play ball, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Some, there's some people that are too emotionally involved. Some people are too, are too leveraged. There's a lot of scenarios where, like we mentioned last a couple episodes ago, it's like the agent plays a very uh, necessary role in the process, right? At times, and so. Uh, but I think that's a. I think that could be a whole other episode of when to partner, choosing partnerships. There's a there's an there's an emotional quotient. There's a personality mix. Um, there's a strengths, there's a skill set, there's an experience, there's so much stuff that goes into like, Hey, that needs to be mutually beneficial and, and we can actually drive value for one another. Yeah. And, and sometimes like, yeah, you might have been friends for a long time, but if you don't bring anything that I can't bring myself more than like 15 or 20%, I can do it myself. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Right. Yeah. Like I'm, I know that I'm not a details guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I make stuff move and I act and I can make decisions really quickly. Mm-hmm. The rest of the stuff pisses me off, right? If we get, if it gets too emotional, I get frustrated because it, it, it clouds the decision-making portion of it. So finding partners for me would be different than other people, but knowing yourself is as important to, do I need partnership? Why am I partner, partnering to begin with? Do I need the money? Can I bring, can I source it myself? So the, I think that is an interesting conversation that I mean, I always, I always say from a, a global business perspective, if I'm going f- getting funding for a one, one of my companies, if you don't have to take money, don't take don't, don't take money. Right? Yeah. Like if you don't have to, don't. There's, there's risk whenever you diverse, you know, you bring in anyone else to the conversation. But uh, but you've had a great experience. Yeah, and absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's been a it's been a great experience. It's been yeah, and I think there's important things you just mentioned right there, yep. like like knowing yourself. Yep. Like like you have to be able to make tough decisions with these people, but sometimes if you've never done it, like yeah. that's a big risk, Yeah, you know, but then there's also, you know, you have to be willing to bend a bit yeah. because it's not just you anymore. Yeah. And so there's, there's definitely times, you know, even in this partnership, I've been frustrated 
at times feeling like, you know, hey, I want to go in this direction, but yeah. you guys, you know, somebody else in the party doesn't want to. Yeah. You know, but you're like, all right, well, I guess we got to like find another pathway if we're at, if we're going different directions. And, that, and that's the crazy thing about partnership is that like partnership doesn't mean equality and it doesn't mean fairness. It means partnership. It means unto the same goal that we both decided that we want. The path we get there is going to vary. You're going to have an opinion. I'm going to have an opinion. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle or a third option. But it, it is interesting that this deal, you had to come into consensus with four, four people had to come to consensus versus two. And that's probably a different process. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, I actually made it pretty clear, like on, uh, you know, there was a property that we were looking at that I was excited about. And, you know, even this can happen where you're like, hey, you know, if we can... If you guys are excited about this property, let's pursue it together. Yeah. But if you're not, like, I might go after it myself. Yeah. So just let me know. Yep. Like, let me know. Like, I'm super excited for us. To, and I've done this a number of times yeah. with different partners. Yeah, yeah. I've explored stuff with. Like, like we'll go after it together. Yeah. Like, that's the first shot. Yeah. But if you're not going to, if you're not, like, I, I'm going to take a shot at it. Yeah. And so that's a cool way to kind of present it where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm – I'm just letting you know. Right of first refusal. I want this to be us. Yeah. If it's not going to be us, I, I'm if, super if stoked. If you can on. find a way to do it, yeah. you know, without the partner and, and you feel confident in it, um, you know, then that's a great way to kind of do that. If, if, if In order to get around that, you know, and so I like that model more than, you know, we have some friends that are partners on everything they do. Yep. Um, and so they're kind of like, you're kind of like, well, if the partner doesn't want to do it, well, I guess you're you're out. But for me, I'm more like, I'd rather have some stuff I'm doing on my own, maybe have some partners on some. Yeah. So that way, like if I find something that either they can't do right now because they're in a financial bind Mm -hmm. or they're just not interested in it, you know, they have a slightly different buy box than me. Yeah. Then I still have freedom to go for it. And I think that's interesting. And I think that comes with, um, how long the, the partnership, uh, how how old the partnership is in the in these different contexts? Meaning, like, I, I think it's wise to have your own portfolio and have a partner portfolio, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, not only do people change over time, partners change over time, mindsets change over time, um, preferences change over time. The more that I get to know myself, like my buy box would change, right? I mean, my buy box might go down to just you know studio A frames, you know, six hundred foot studio A frames. Yeah. And I mean, it, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think that if it's first time buyers partnering, it's different than seasoned real estate investors that are personal, have personal portfolio coming together because there's a lot of that expectation setting about the process and the stress and the money and it moving around that it's already, that there's already a place for it. There's already language around it. And they've had some time to be like, this is what I prefer. This is what makes me feel comfortable. I'm willing to go outside of that because this is a partnership, Right. But just so they're very, you can articulate the context of where your mind and your heart are meeting around a topic, and I think that's cool. I think that's a cool process that it takes, you know, two or four mature people to know that hey, we're all in this for a common goal, but but we are not linked one hundred percent to each other, right? There is there's independence, and yeah, we we all want to we all want to you know be successful at the same time. Like you know, the the Venn diagram does not overlap one hundred percent, so. Um, so you're feeling good. Super stoked that you sold it. I'm super stoked about your next project, and I can't wait till you get to kind of report a little more about that to the audience. So, because um, it's fun. Um, but I'll let you 
report that on your own time. It's not for right now. So anything else you want to share about the sale or about selling in a down market before we move on new move topics? Yeah, I just think I think I was kind of getting into it. And maybe I didn't finish the thought of of in a down market, like there's opportunity, especially in the short term rental game. Yep. And so even like I've actually been looking at even my I'm like I hold everything with an open hand when it comes to my real estate portfolio. Yep. Um, not my wife. And you build Close a market. And you build a. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're so you have an open relationship with the real estate market. With the real estate market. Okay. Very yeah, open. Right, okay. And I think it's important. It's like it doesn't mean you don't really like a project. It yeah. doesn't mean you're not excited about it. Um, but you know, just just always reevaluating, always looking at where it's at. Yep. Like things serve a purpose at a different point. Yeah. You know, maybe it was a burr property, and yep. you you know remodeled it, you refied it. Yeah. You know, it did its job, but now it's just not performing as well as it could. Or maybe you've got too much equity tied up in it, and it's yep. a bad time to refi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different reasons, right? Yep. But yep. just kind of always looking at it, and all, and, and like you have to continue to evaluate, like what am I? What's my goal here? Yeah. Like where am I going after? Like, yep. am I trying to just have these these couple houses? And they're going to perform really well, or yeah. am I trying to like expand my portfolio? Like, yeah. is there a monetary goal you're going after? So these are all questions you have to consider. Is there a geographic focus I'm going after? Is there a type? You know, mm-hmm. you just mentioned like maybe only A-frame cabins. Like, yeah. that's a different prospect than multifamily. Yep. You know, for sure. Or single-family homes, or you know, I'm going after more boutique hotels. Like, yep. there's different strategies within it, and so you kind of have to ask yourself those questions: what your operations look like. But just always being open to the concept. And right now, honestly, anything that's like a short-term rental, that's a business flex play, an investment play, there's a lot of 1031 money out there that needs to buy something right now. Or if you do, especially any kind of single family that has a a secondary unit, like anything in a single family with an ADU. I know we've talked a lot about ADUs. Man, they are sexy right now. Like if you have a single family with an ADU, I've had multiple people come and approach me because I've got a couple properties like that here in Reading that want that. They want a single family that they live in, but then it has a bonus space. It's got a bonus income space. If you've got that, like you can sell in a down market. Like that's the type of property yeah. that you can still get a premium for so, in a down market. So I only have one thought. Like so, we're so we're currently sitting in my ADU at my at my primary residence. So it's yeah. it's it's ninety nine percent done, right? And so we're about to to rent it in the next two weeks or so, which is pretty cool. But my neighbor who uh, who sold their house, she moved in. You know, she's a middle aged lady, but she moved in with her mother, right? And so um, this idea of there's a transfer of wealth coming from baby boomers to the next generation, and it's twofold. It's one, you know, buying buying houses with the ADUs for aging parents, I think, is a market. I think it totally is a market because the money hasn't transferred yet, and yet you can access that capital, mm-hmm. meaning that your parents or grandparents need somewhere to live and be closer to the family, and yeah. you can invest that money right, in a in a in a specific property with an ADU. That you can have separate spaces to either you live in or they live in, and then you can have either a space for yourself or monetize the the, the existing space. But there's a, there's a market there from a wealth transfer and generational standpoint, and it was triggered because like why they're sexy now for a number of reasons now, but mostly right now because people want they want generating properties, they want they want money, they want properties that will also make them money. If they're going to invest, they may as well best to maximize that funding. And if I can get two doors instead of one. That makes a whole lot more sense. But I'm also thinking like, man, there's also 
the Asian the aging aging parent play, and I was talking to a younger a younger girl that was looking to invest to start investing in real estate, and she's like, well, my parents, you know, I'm from Midwest, and my parents come out here, and I'm like, I'm like, managing a a, a real estate investment for your parents is a super great way to get in the market. Totally. So it's like, hey, invest where I live. I'll live in the ADU, and I'll run the I'll run the Airbnb for the house itself, like. That's another creative way to get financing, and technically, yeah, you're managing it for your parents, so you're splitting that, but you're also going to create a place for you to live and a job for yourself and a start in getting experience in short-term rental operating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, we're 40 minutes in, 40 minutes and 28 seconds to be exact. Dude, we're just getting warmed up. We're just getting warmed up, bro. We have all day. <laughs> we've got a, we got a, a three-quarter bottle of tequila we here do. today. That's true. We do. We have, yeah, a, we have, we have a Costco-sized bottle of tequila. We're to going go a little more organic you know, on the agave. We're pretty, ag- we're pretty organic-driven. All right, so transitioning to this idea of amenities, and so I, I'm, I just bought I just bought a new place, right? Yeah. They left uh, they left a, a queen size bed, they left a coffee table, they left a TV with a sweet built in DVD player. Going to use that a ton. <laughs> they, I mean, they left all the stuff in the kitchen. In yeah, 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 yeah. It's like like, like locked in there. Yeah, yeah, like it's built in. Like you put it into the TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I watched Ten Things I Hate About You the other day on it because I had oh that DVD. Um, but there's there's stuff that you you kind of you can buy. It comes with the property, right? But there's uh, there's certain things that I know you've you've done a whole process of an Excel spreadsheet and things that I know there was multiple properties where you had an equation, like you had an equation of what you bought on Amazon. I've been in, I visited you dozens of times where there's there's just a castle of cardboard boxes in your entryway of your house. And so it's like this idea of there's the basics, the beds, uh, the, the but this idea of of amenities. There's some things that obviously make sense to buy new linens, etc. And there's some things that you can buy secondhand. Um, so where where does the the bang for your buck happen when it comes to acquiring property and furnishing that property? You know what things do guests care about? Uh, for me, when I travel. The only thing I really care about is the quality of the mattress hmm. that I get. That I get, and that's just me. My per, my personal value system. I want to get get a good night's sleep. If I'm if I'm feeling the springs in my back and I'm not getting a good night's sleep, and I get up to go to a business meeting, I'm pissed, and I don't want that. So for me, as a guest, when I go and stay in Airbnbs across the state of California, like I and I find an amazing bed, I'm stoked out of my mind. But so talk a little bit about this idea of amenities. You know what what to buy new what to buy used, how you kind of came into this kind of list scenario of, of how to leverage Amazon. Uh, we can talk a little about, about where to buy for certain things. Uh, and then we'll talk, go into a little bit about kind of bonus amenities and things that, you know, it, obviously if you have a pool, you're going to maximize the listing of that pool. Sure. If you don't have a pool, I mean, a pool is, is a business decision that you would have had to make with your purchase, right? Because yeah. If you're gonna pull, if you're gonna if you're gonna build a pool, if you're gonna add a pool, good luck to you. Hopefully, you have the money. But um, yeah, talk to us about. I know in your in the past, you you put in fireplace, fire pits, you put in uh, hot tubs, a ton of different stuff you put into your properties. But go high level though about amenities, how much they matter, uh, and do you think they're really a differentiator from a guest experience, and then secondarily a review standpoint? Sure. Yeah, I I, I think one thing to t- to think about is. Um, a couple key points to figuring out your amenities. One is location. 
what are the seasons in your location? Um, and what I mean by that is like, say you're in a cold weather environment, mm -hmm. like in your pool, if you don't have a heater on your pool, which most people don't, yep. you're only going to be able to run that pool for like a couple months. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, well, you probably don't need a pool. Versus if you're in like a really warm weather environment, like here in Redding mm -hmm. or like say Palm Springs, yep. you know, certain places like that where you could literally run your pool without a heater for five, six months of the year, yeah. that's a different story, uh -huh. you know, in a place yep. that gets really hot, yep. like Reading. So there's a huge demand for pools for Reading in the summer. Mm -hmm. It obviously gives you no value whatsoever in the winter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in the summer, yeah, yeah. it's a bonus, mm -hmm. you know. You're going to pay extra for that house, yep. and there's going to be maintenance, but that's a, a question. But you also want to look at what's the size of the property, mm -hmm. what's the size of the house yeah. particularly. So I have a pool in one of my properties that's four bedrooms. Okay. So it's a great spot, you know, for families to kind of hang out. Yep. Like they're kind of going there and camping out in the spot. It's got a big backyard. It's yeah, kind yeah. of an oasis feel. Yeah. Like they don't leave a ton. Yeah. You know, when they come there, they go there and hang out and, you know, all get together from wherever and yep. it's warm outside and you're hanging out at the pool. We got a hot tub there too. So it's great for that. But if you have just like a two bedroom cottage, yeah. like, do you really need a pool there? No. You know, probably not. Yeah, or yeah. even a studio. Like... These are these are going to be more temporary guests that are coming for a few days at a time. Yep. You know they're not looking more for that destination. They're going to be out and about, like yeah. hitting the city, maybe you know hitting the sites, like getting outdoors, doing hikes, stuff like yeah. that. And so you know some of these amenities aren't going to matter as much. So I put a hot tub on one of those types of properties, like yep. a two bedroom property, two bed, two bath. It was a nice kind of custom craftsman home, thinking it would really move the needle. And yeah. It really didn't. You know, so that was your thesis. I remember you bought like multiple hot tubs yeah. within like three months because yeah. you thought that this is my differentiator. This is what's gonna. Ha this is what's gonna take me to the next level, right? And I've come to the conclusion it doesn't. It doesn't. All right. It and, doesn't. And and on the whole, in your travels, I, well, I mean, depending depending on where you're coming from, but on the whole, like, how many times have I have I gone to an Airbnb property and actually used the hot tub that was there? Very seldom. Yeah, and I used and I do more like if I go to a re mountain resort yeah. town yeah. where I'm going skiing yep. and I see there's a hot tub, I'm like, yeah, that sounds nice. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds like a nice bonus. Totally. Like when I get done skiing, I'm gonna have a drink, yeah. sit in the hot tub, uh -huh. hang out, like that's cool. Um, but then in practicality, when you actually go to those places and you're like, Man, this hot tub just feels a little gross. Lukewarm. So well, just like <laughs> if you think about like what a hot tub Ooh. is, most hot tubs these days, yeah. they don't have like it's a it's a self-contained totally. water system. Yeah, so sure. it's filtering, it's, it's but it's all the same water yeah, going yeah, yeah, back yeah. into it. Yeah, so I'm not sure. going to try to gross anybody out here, but yeah. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. So everybody that goes in that hot tub, there's there's literally like soap from their from their wash coming off their swimsuit. Yep. Right. That's not gross, but. They have lotion on their skin. They've got skin particles. They've like got. Sweat. They've got. Yeah. Sometimes there's sweat. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Um. Oftentimes they have makeup on. Mm -hmm. They've got hair products. All of that goes into the water. Yeah. Every single one of those persons yeah. that gets in there goes into the water. You keep putting in chemicals. Yeah. But eventually that water just gets a bit grody. Yeah. And you know, as a hot tub operator, which we're seasoned hot tub operators now, yeah, you just drain it and you start over every once in a while. Got it. Um, and that's the way you do it. But and so it's 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 there's a there's a process to managing, and, and, and honestly, you're going to get more complaints about your hot tub than anything else at your property. 
Really? Um, but, you know, you figure out a system. You got to, like, dial in your system, whether it's you or a manager or a cleaner, you know, yeah. cleaning it. We have instructions. We've got chemicals on site. Yeah. So this go, kind of goes into the expectations. Like, if you list that you have a hot tub and you put it in the pictures, you're – without stating it, you're setting an expectation. That it's going to be clean. Then it's going to be clean and then it's going to be, I mean, hot. And then hot in the name, like – it's not just a tub. It's not just a. It's not just a pool, sure. above ground pool. Like, but you're set. You're you're creating an agreement, an expectation, an agreement with your potential guests, and and that's based off their experience of hot tubs, right? And they're going to bring that in. And if it doesn't meet it, that's an easy knock. way for them to knock you. That's an easy Hit way to you knock, on the right? Review. Yeah. And, so, and and we do specify like on our listing, like, hey, if there's if 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 out of our control, yeah, anything's broken with the pool or the hot tub, that will not constitute a refund. Yeah, got it. Yeah, like that just goes, just clarifying that up front. Like we do everything we can to keep these right, but there's certain things that are out of our control. Yeah, thankfully we don't really have those issues because yep. we're able to. Like we have a we have a robust hot tub cleaning policy, <laughs> okay. but we've learned yeah to put that into place. And going forward, are you? And I've actually reduced the number of hot tubs I have. Well, that's, I've that's, gone down two. That was the next question in the last like couple months. Yeah, the next question is like I know you're kind of exiting the single family home sector, right? I'm still in it. But, I mean, moving forward, if you buy another single-family home, are you going to buy a hot tub? If I buy another single-family home at this point, it probably will be in Lake Tahoe. Yes. So okay. probably yes. Okay. But that, all right. Because it's a mountain town. That's a mountain town. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That would be likely. All right. Another amenities are external fire pits and internal fireplaces. So I've done both yeah. uh, extensively. Um it, you know, in California, you can have a, a wood-burning fireplace in, in anything that's already existing. Mm -hmm. Any new builds, there's no more wood-burning fireplaces. Yeah. Um, so you have to only put gas fireplaces if you're doing a new build. Yeah. Um, it's a new California law, um, which is which is actually much safer mm -hmm. for you as an owner yeah, yeah, for than sure. having a wood-burning thing to yeah. just have a gas, mm -hmm. like, you know, literally click a button and yeah. it turns on. For sure. It's a much safer operation, so it's a it's better for you, yeah. You know, as an owner. But I have even up in Mount Shasta, we have you know we have two. Uh, I sold one, you know, wood burning stove, but I still have another wood burning stove and two wood burning fireplaces mm -hmm. that we have bookings for. So you just gotta if you have them, um, you know, once again, similar to hot tubs, you've got to be really clear yeah. with what your rules and expectations are. Yep. Um, as far as, Hey, here's the size of the wood yep. that you can burn in here. Cause you sure. just don't want people going crazy, For throwing, sure. throwing yeah. whole stumps in there. It's yeah. going to burn and simmer forever and smoke out your whole house. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just risky cause you, you get people from the city who come in there, you know, I get a message, Hey, how do I start a fire? Yeah. I'm like, you don't. Yeah. Like yeah. if you don't know how to start a fire, you don't it, learn. It's, here. it's a one you step know? process and it's, you don't. That's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> But there's risk there. I've actually, yeah. you know, I had complaints, you know, from a neighbor about I had some outdoor fireplaces yeah. and guests were leaving it unattended. Mm -hmm. um, and Redding's a very, you know, we've had droughts and, you know, there's there, we've had some significant fires in the area. Yep. So it's very prone to fire yep. and spark, you know, sure. lights. And so, you know, I, you know, I take it seriously. I ended up, I ended up taking out all of my outdoor fireplaces. Yep. Pits, fire, fire pits. I just said we're done with them. Just from a liability perspective. I don't have any anymore. Yeah. Just smart. because, you know, I talked to the fire chief and, you know, he's like, to me, essentially he's like, hey, this is your property. If anything ever happens, like you're liable. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, 
I'm out. I'm, well, and it's it's I'm interesting, done. like ha- having this idea of if I'm in the mindset of trying to compete for the most bookings, I'm going to try to find the most novel to push the envelope. What's going to make it special? That's a different mindset than this idea of the pl- chief of police or the ch- the fire chief or the uh, you know someone from the city saying, "Hey, bro, like you can totally do this. We're not going to say no." But you're totally going to go down if there's something happens on your property. Like that's that's two different mindsets totally. to be in, right? In different jurisdictions, like yeah. Mount Shasta actually has a, a a rule that no outdoor fire pits in short term rentals. Interesting. In the city, I think, and, and no and no barbecues either. I think it's a smart rule. Like, I, I, I think, think it's really I smart, it's honestly. Really, like, and what? I'm actually really grateful yeah. they have the rule because yeah. they set the they set the rule because you get your hands off, right? And then you're I like, just I say, hey, city of Mount Shasta won't. That's let right. Us. That's right. You know, sorry. That's right. I can't. Which, which that is actually flipping regulation in a, into the positive, right? Yeah. Which is saying, hey, like, you know, yes, the, it's, the rule's there for a reason. I'm going to comply with the city, you know, ordinances. Not going to happen. Yeah. Which is great. I think that's uh, it's really wise uh, just from a, 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 a city standpoint of like, hey, what's going to keep our city safe? What's going to keep the neighborhood safe? What's going to keep the neighbors safe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, give them some peace of mind. And part of it is, I think, even this idea of not having barbecues seems a, a step further than an outdoor fire pit. But just, I mean, the logic is still there. It's still like, yeah. hey, don't buy chores. Don't be stupid. Don't let people be stupid. I mean, it, it, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and so I think one point that I'm, I'm kind of making here, and mm. we're talking about some, some large amenities. There's yeah. a whole lot of smaller amenities yep. like – like hair dryers and ironing boards yeah. and you know all kinds of stuff, which is a different conversation. We're kind of talking about some big stuff like pools, hot tubs, fire yeah. pits, fireplaces, yeah, and, and, and saunas, sauna. Yeah, you know, yeah, another one. I would say, you know, I think, I think, as from doing this for a number of years, and and kind of like trying a lot of these out, yeah, like um, you really have to think about um, how much is it, how much money is this going to make me, yeah. And how much headache is going to give me? Yeah. Um, and because you can end up spending a lot of your time dealing with these these types of amenities that we just yeah. mentioned. Yep. And and maybe they move the needle a little bit, but they move the needle that much. Yeah. And if it ends up in a lot of complaints. Yep. Or bad experiences for your guests, mm-hmm. bad reviews. Yeah. You know, bad experiences with your neighbors. Yep. For sure. You know, yep. which was one of the big things for fire or liability issues. Yeah. Um, you know, you're like, hey, like. This just doesn't worth it. So, and so that's where I'm at yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. Is like on the whole with those things. Um, you know, I haven't. You know, one of my houses here in Reading, I have a fireplace, but I don't like guess use it. Yeah. I just have some like candles in there. Yeah. And it's like this isn't this isn't I don't market it yep. as them having one. Yeah. I don't say it on the, on the listings that I have a, a fireplace, and I just don't let them use it because it's just like a finicky fireplace. That it's easy for the smoke to like get out yeah, and smoke out the, sure. the house. Yeah. And then the whole house smells like smoke. The the house I just I just purchased it has a fireplace, but it's not it's not functioning. Like yeah. it doesn't actually pipe to the ceiling. So I'm, I'm my two ideas are actually like filling it with uh with live plants, like just overflowing it with uh, monsteras and succulents, and just like make sure. make it a thing. Or second idea is actually I, I have a television that's roughly the same dimensions. And putting a TV in the in the space yeah. that is the fireplace, right? Yeah, yeah. And just making it a different thing, just making it a different space, right? So you're repurposing the space itself. The other thing is in my, in my primary house where we're at now, 
we're in the ADU, which is technically below my, you know, the wing of the house upstairs that my daughter lives in the laundry room. But our back deck is technically the patio cover of this ADU. Mm-hmm. So I'm having to design the backyard into not just what the renters have internally here, but they step out there, the containment of what they have access to. And this idea of deciding between a fire pit or a sauna or a hot tub, one of my ideas is actually, because I had to, I had to re, um, I put new sprinkler systems in regardless in the backyard for my, for my uh, landscaping. Like people, usually, people travel for business or for pleasure, but if they're there for pleasure and your space is a one, one bedroom, one bath, like they're either going to be by themselves or with one other person. And the, and like, I'm thinking I'm going to get more value and sound barrier by putting a fountain, like running water, a fountain in my yard, sure. then giving them a hot tub to, to potentially look at or whatever it is. So I'm like, so there are alternatives out there that actually can increase just as much value from a peace of mind or a serenity standpoint of what you want your guests to feel when they walk into a space and also gives you protection from a liability perspective. So I, I had my irrigation guy run two lines. I had him run a regular sprinkler line and then a pressurized line to the middle of the yard in case I wanted to add a fountain. I've got a fountain for you. Do you? Yeah, I, I took one out of the, my, my primary. Oh, did you? I yeah, and that's where that. I put that fire fireplace. Oh, that's where the fountain Remember was there? That, that blue yeah, yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. At Woodhill? I made, no, at Sierra Vista. Oh, at Sierra Vista? I didn't know I that. Very good price for you. Very good price. Very, very good price. Oh, well, I mean, you, you also want my shed, so I'm going to have to oh, do a cap. Straight, straight my, up. Oh, I don't know about straight up. <laughs> Come straight on, up, bro. Straight up, straight up is a good for deal for you. <laughs> Maybe a maybe a maybe a fountain plus cash situation. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So so getting into smaller amenities. How, how you know you brought? I mean, there, there, when you went through your sprint, your your build sprint into 2020, 2021, like you were buying multiple beds, multiple oh, mattresses, wow. multiple multiple uh, um, linens, um, like you multiple televisions, multiple TV stands. I like I you you went you had a. I saw your Excel spread, your Excel spreadsheet, and I saw how much money you gave to Amazon over oh, the course yeah. of like eighteen months. Like how, like what, what amenities are worth buying new, and what amenities are worth buying used? And 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 given, I'll give you some context of you need to get a your place rented in three weeks versus six weeks. Yeah. So I've done a number of different buying experiences, and I and I think it's important you kind of build your spreadsheet, build a spreadsheet of of what you think you need mm-hmm. for that unit. So it, all of it is based off usage, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So how many people yeah. does my unit have? So for example, like it's not just kitchenware. Yeah. When it comes to usage or pillows, mm-hmm. you know, it's even how many seats do you need? Yeah. So like if it's only like this place here we're sitting in, it's yep. a two person unit. Yeah. You know, you've got a you've got a, a great three person couch here. Yeah. And then you've got a great armchair. Yeah. That's plenty. Yeah. You know, they can sit they can both sit on the couch together. Yep. It's usually just gonna be one person. Yeah. So they've got a couch choice, they've got an armchair choice. You've actually provided probably even more yeah. than is necessary. You right. know, if you've got if you put in a dining table or a bar, breakfast bar, you probably only need to put two seats max. Yeah. You know, for that. Okay. Versus if this was a four-person unit, yeah. you'd want to have a two-bedroom, you know, with two queen beds or two kings yeah. or whatever. You'd want to have four seats. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like my guest house in my house, it's a two-bedroom unit. So mm-hmm. I have four seats at the kitchen. I yeah. have a three-bedroom couch, and then I also have an armchair. Yeah. So all four people could have a place to sit, or they could pull 
the dining chairs over if they even want to have more of their own seats and look at each other. So you, you kind of have to, so you kind of build out like how many do you want per person? And then you just build out your, um, you know, particularly your kitchen is kind of where you have a lot of stuff going on, right? So well, we, I think we underestimate what spaces people live in. They live in the kitchen and they live in the you know, living room. And I'm, as, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm actually reminded of the conversations we're having with Luke and the conversations we have with the city. And so it's technically in the category of capacity planning. When you talk about buying amenities, you're actually buying for, I have to project on average, what is this space designed for? Just like the city assesses, what was this, what was this house designed for? And when yeah, they, sure. they, they talk about like, hey, you need to have as many parking spaces as you have bedrooms. So they make an equation. So I'm like, oh, wow, like we're technically, the city's doing it from a higher level down and we're doing it to a microscopic level inside our own houses. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you build out a spreadsheet with what you need, how many, how many, you know, what, what you want. I mean, there's, there's kind of the bare minimum you yeah. can do. And then there's some fluff, you yeah. know, like an example of that is you could just provide a couple glasses, yeah. you know, maybe a glass or two for each person. Yeah. What I like to do, I just like to provide an assortment of glasses for each person. Yeah. So in all of my units, I provide one water cup, one coffee cup, one wine glass, and one whiskey glass hmm. per person. Interesting. So yeah. it's really, you know, only one water cup per person. You're like, well, you could actually use that wine glass or that whiskey glass or, as a water cup if you wanted to. Or that to. mug. Yeah, or the mug. You could use you, know? the, you can use the mug for wine, okay? That's really classy. It's, it's your choice. Super classy. It's okay. your choice. It, yeah. I happen to do that. I like to add that little touch. Yeah. I don't think you have to use yeah. add a wine glass yeah. or a whiskey glass. You could just add have one water glass yeah. and one coffee cup, yeah. and then they could use that. For sure. If they wanted to, you know, especially if you don't, if it's, if it's a smaller unit, mm -hmm. if it's a bigger unit and there's a bunch of people, I might provide a little bit more if there's a dishwasher there. Yeah. But especially if there's no dishwasher, which most of my single units don't have dishwashers, yep. then you really only need a couple per person. Interesting. You really only need one or two bowls yeah, yeah, per yeah. person. Yeah. One or two plates per person. Yeah. Because then they got to wash them and then use them again. Yep. One or two forks per person. Mm -hmm. So you kind of figure out like what is it that you want that to look like. And then you got to figure out where am I buying this stuff? Yeah. Right? What's the quality I'm going after? What's the style I'm going after? Which are your own decisions to make? Yeah. So opportunity cost on quality versus, uh, yeah, well, basically quality. Because, I mean, two episodes ago, we were talking about you're doing maintenance on a mini split. And a mini split is obviously a key component of the, the stay itself. But whether you're making a decision on glassware and, and cutlery or a mini split, you're still making a cost uh, a cost comparison of this idea of like, hey, money in, money out situation. Yeah, right? and, and honestly, like you know, what f style of fork you have? Yeah, yeah, it's probably not going to move the needle. No, on someone's experience. What you know? about what about like mismatch? Like I'm looking at my kitchen right now. Like I went, I w I was thoughtful about the same uh, matte gray appliances before my fridge, my stove, and my dishwasher. Right, because. And I'm like, uh, I mean, could you have mis mismatch appliances? Does it like what what really matters? Yeah, I mean, I I prefer as well like stainless steel appliances yeah, yeah. across the board. Mm -hmm. But there's been times where I haven't done that. Yeah. You know, like when I redid the Lodge in Mount Shasta, there was actually a lot of like white 
appliances and even a you know black appliance that were still good yeah that i pulled out of the units yeah, yeah. so it's especially in a time when like sourcing appliances last year was super hard to do yeah, yeah, and sure. expensive uh-huh. i was like forget that man i'm reusing these things yeah, yeah, for sure. so i've got you know stainless steel hoods in there yeah with you know a white range yeah that when it breaks yeah i'll buy a stainless steel one but you know i saved myself Four or five grand. Well, and, and I you think, know by doing that, and I and, think, and does yeah. it really move the needle that much for a guest? I would I would say no. Well, and I think our, our I mean my wife says she was talking to your wife this idea of you know I'm looking at a couch that we bought for a hundred bucks. Where do you invest your dollars? Because you could buy a West Elm couch for five G's, and it, and it could be a statement piece in your in your space. And I'm looking at this couch that it's a hundred bucks. It's a little ratty, but you know what? It does the job, and getting in, and unless someone gives me a bad review because of the ratty couch, we can always upgrade it later, right? Your couch looks fine. Yeah. And and I would say anybody who's spending five Gs on a couch is a poor short-term rental operator. That's, they that's are a, that's wasting a, that's a, that's a, that's their money. Yeah. They're wasting their money. I don't even care. Like, you tell me, oh, it's a luxury house. No. Yeah. It doesn't matter. These are people. These are guests that don't give a shit yeah. about your furniture. I mean, they just these want... are kids that don't give a shit about your furniture. They like do... your furniture yeah. will get messed up. Yeah. Spending five G's on anything is just silly. Which is which is interesting thing of where to spend your money because I mean we're I mean re- maybe unless it's a hot tub. We're we're I mean in, <laughs> in in this place we're recycling a really nice West Elm bed frame. Super nice. Right. We sourced a you know. Uh, a, a, a decent size, a size mattress, but this idea of knowing where your money goes, of, and also in your in your in the back of your mind and on your spreadsheet, knowing like, hey, we know that this couch is a, a two year renewal. We're gonna have to upgrade in two years, regardless, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And and there's certain things that you know they're gonna be, you know, hopefully appliances last five to six years, right? Ideally, but there's some things that you you plan you can plan to replace. Yeah, and, and so and, and I think there's certain items that I've learned that I really like to get secondhand. Okay, what are um, those? So, so I would say a lot of my buys, uh, my new buys, I do most of my new buys, and I'll tell you what I buy secondhand, but I do on prim- primarily Amazon. Okay. And then I also use uh, Wayfair and, um, oh gosh, what's heard, the other one? I've heard Joybird is a, a newer one that is kind of like Wayfair as well. Uh, what's the other one I'm drawing a blank right now? And are you doing, are you doing those things for a specific, a specific set of, a subset of, uh, of amenities? Yeah. So like, so, so on, I do all my kitchen and dishes Mm -hmm. on Amazon and most of my linens and then on Wayfair and, uh, what's the other one? I'm drawing a blank right now. What about dressers? Dressers seem to be one of those bigger ticket, bigger items that uh, that's like you could go super high end. Or I mean, we took an IKEA trip, you know, when we bought this house a month ago, and all we picked up was you know cutlery plates, um, you know, a few, a few a few small small items, small, some side tables, right? We didn't. Well, I mean, but you could you could go crazy with cheaper furniture, right? Yeah, on purpose, but then also it's going to be reflected in the quality that you're presenting, your level of excellence or your production value as a short-term rental operator. Totally. I think there's some really cool stuff and, and certain products that IKEA has. I mean, I've got a couple um, couch sofas this desk is that I got from IKEA yeah, yeah. that are like, this you know, cool, gray. Patio furniture. 
yeah, couches. I've got a couple of those same chairs you yeah. have that have lasted me for yeah. like 10 years. Yes, yeah, padded furniture. Um, 15 buck like yeah. patio furniture. Yeah. They're kind of modern. Look. Yeah. They're not the most comfortable thing, but yeah. they work. Um, yeah, you can buy great dishes yep. at Ikea. My problem with Ikea, I, I kind of went away. For, I used to do Ikea a lot early on. Yeah. But I went away for them, particularly during the pandemic, yep. because they just had a hard time. Like they didn't have what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. So you sure. go down there. We, you know, we we're a couple hours away from the nearest IKEA. Yeah, shipping's hard. I mean, actually, they have fifty dollars flat rate for as much as you want. So oh, if you wow. buy in bulk, it actually can be a pretty good that's deal. Pretty good. But um, even when I try that, like I did, I did a whole kitchen for one of my ADUs out of IKEA cabinetry. Yeah, that worked pretty well. But then when I tried to do it again, they were just out of everything. Hmm. And so you go down there and you like thinking you're getting this and they're like, actually, we don't have it. And yeah, then, we yeah, don't have that. Yeah, yeah, we don't have that. Sure. And you're like, well, what did I even get here? Yeah. You know? So that's my biggest thing with Ikea. And then, and then putting stuff together is hard. Um, obviously, it's more challenging. Um, so, so there's certain things that like buying secondhand is great. Dressers mm-hmm. is a great thing to buy secondhand. Yep. And the reason I, I like to buy certain things secondhand is because they just don't make the quality yeah. as strong. Yep. As they used to. Well, I mean, I got I got a corner a corner bench seat dining room table set out of wood for seventy bucks off off of off of a, well, I don't know what I got it off of right, but wood corner seat and it's sanded down looks awesome. Yeah, so so stuff you bought in like the eighties, nineties, oh, even man. earlier than that, like yeah. solid oak, yeah, wood, oh yeah, stuff that's just like stood the test of time. Yep. It's super solid. Is it the most? Is it right in line with your design style? Maybe not, but if everything else in your house kind of is your design style, yeah. and you have a couple of these pieces that might be slightly different, you might be able to modify them like yeah. you did, sanding yeah. them down, yeah. it's not going to change the game. Yeah. So here's my list. Here's my list of secondhand stuff. Any kind of dressers, yeah. because now they just use like like faux boards yeah, yeah. and like crappy stuff, even though it looks cool, it's not going to last, and it's miserable to put together. Yeah. Um, so dressers... Side tables, okay. Coffee tables, couches, dining room tables, dining room tables. Okay, all right. So big pieces, big yeah. pieces. Okay. Yeah, I, I have some dining chairs. I really like to buy online. Yep. Like simple but sturdy, like yeah. metal ones. So I usually do those. If 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 I, if I can find dining chairs, I'll take them. Yeah. Um, because there is some good sturdy ones out there. But yeah, couches. Like I mean, I got like four like restoration hardware like used brown leather couches, yep. three person couches. Sure. They were a little used, but I got each one for a hundred bucks. Yeah, dude, that's sick. Like that's super sick. Like they're in great condition. Somebody just, you know, bought new couches for their primary home and it yeah. was unloading these things on Craigslist and yeah. you get it for pennies on the dollar. So talk to me about like how often you are just kind of as part of your conscious or subconscious. Cause I find myself checking Craigslist and Facebook marketplace. Like, a couple times a month just to like stay relevant on what's happening or what might yeah. be coming on, right? I Not mean, even that I need anything. <laughs> yeah, so my wife handles more of that. Okay. Holly right. does a lot of that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, because she, she oversees, you know, day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. You know, she works with our operations manager, Angela. You know, kind of like, she, you know, Angela's direct report is to Holly okay. as far as, you know, cleaning issues, 
you know, overarching like maintenance, not, not maintenance and kind of repairs. Yep. Repairs kind of come to me, yep. but more like maintenance stuff. Yep. Like this is looking a little ratty or, yep. Hey, we're missing some linens here or this, you know, so Holly will do the buying now. Like yep. I'll do the big buy at the yep. beginning, but then he, any updates of like, Hey, we need new pillows, yep. lo- you know, a pillow disappeared or yeah. these pillows are looking a little like ratty or guests complained about it. Or, Hey, we need some new duvet covers or, um, and there's different strategies. Like you can go with that. Like one thing we do is like, you know, duvet covers, like here's a, here's a really interesting thing. Like duvet covers are like really challenging to put on and off, Yeah. but you kind of want to wash them Yeah. because they're an engagement, For like sure. a place that people could literally lay in. Yeah. So we started doing triple sheeting. Hmm. So triple sheeting is what you see sometimes in hotels where essentially you just have a comforter yeah. that's not covered with anything. You, you, you put your base sheet on. And then you put your cover sheet and then you put your comforter and then you put a sheet over the comforter and you fold it in such a way where nobody ever touches the comforter. You only touch the top sheet, the bottom sheet and the sheet that covers you. Interesting. Um, And so pro tip, pro tip, triple sheet, triple sheet. If you triple sheet, double stack, triple stack, you don't need a (laughs) duvet cover anymore, which can be really finicky to put on and off. They often get dirty. They do. Interesting. Um, And then if you're, if your comfort gets dirty, just throw it in the wash, wash it. You know, it's white, you know, so you can just bleach it Yeah, and then throw it back on, you know? So, so talk to me about like, what are the, what are the ticket items that you you think are worth spending more money on televisions? Like what, what, are are there, is there a piece where you're like, let's not skimp on like, so I'm like, hey, that, I want to buy a good fridge. I want to buy. I think a nice. I think a nice TV that uh, mid mid range. Where, where do you feel like? Yeah. Where do you feel like is a, a, the standard of excellence does differentiate? I mean, you? I put all my appliances more on the build side of things. Yeah, yeah. Where versus furnishings. Yep. So to me, appliances. I get you know they they take. They're more on the build side. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you want solid washers and dryers, you know, fridges. But I kind of do more basic stuff. Like I don't want the moving parts. Like I don't want a water line. Yeah. On my fridge. Yeah. You know, that that's going to break. I just want a standard fridge. Don't buy chores, dude. Don't buy chores. Exactly. That's what we're saying here. Like you want to, you want to, you know, think about what can go wrong and how do I avoid that? Well, I mean, what's a, what's an asset and what's a liability? That's a good point. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's things, I mean, I, I think the, the touches are really important. Like when, you know, here's an example. When we, when we started out, like I'm, you know me, I'm, I'm pretty minimalistic in nature and pretty like, you know, modern industrial looking Mm -hmm. like, so I like my, I like my woods. I like my metals. I like my whites, my blacks, my grays. Yeah. I like my Mm -hmm. concrete, you know, steel, like that's my, that's my vibe. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's great from a, a, a cleanliness standpoint yeah. for a short-term rental. The less you have in there, the easier it is to clean, the easier cool. to keep it clean. Yep. Like my, Nick, my, my, my pet peeve actually about some, some short-term rentals as a guest is if there's a ton of knickknacks yeah. like around, I'm like, dude, I just don't want to look at this. And then also, how do you clean around this stuff? Yeah. Just like people touching this stuff all the time. You got to pick every single knickknack up and clean under it. It just kind of builds I, up dust. I and... mean, I mean, I feel like as a guest, I feel like if there's craftsmanship to it and they're creating a, a, a vibe, I get it. But for me, I've been in Airbnbs where there's literally like microphones everywhere. There's cameras everywhere. I get this really strange. Like there's, there's, there's like, and I get it. Like there, it's like it's a security system, but oh. there, there's, there's, there's stuff going in it that they're like hypo hypo. Like if you have expensive things, you need to protect expensive things. And this goes into in your amenities. Like 
if you buy if you buy crappy furniture and crappy amenities, obviously it, your uh, your stress level and if it gets ruined is a lot lower versus if they're high. At the same time, how long is that going to last? The wear and tear of people using your shit is going to like, all right, cool. I have to be prepared to solve a different equation. But for me, like, yeah, the knickknacky thing, but it's cool. Like I walked into one with a full, a full like record collection as part of the motif mm. of the thing. And I'm like, I get it. I get yeah. it. And I'm, I'm cool with it. But those records are disappearing by the day. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, like, also, that's, you that's, that's also true. People are picking through those records. Those right? are, those will, yeah. the covers might still be there, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. records are gone. That's funny. Yeah, that's true. Poor guy. Yeah. But he hopefully he factored that in. That's right. Yeah, I I think so. So so I kind of started much more industrial, but then yeah. through feedback from yeah. guests, we've come we've we've come to find kind of a balance of like keeping the base, yep. the base, and figuring out like I said, like which certain items need to be sturdier. Yeah. Because if you're buying like cheap coffee tables from Amazon, they're gonna break. Yeah. And then you have to buy an, a, a new one anyway. So you might as well buy a sturdy used one. But then what we do now is we do a lot of like um, vibe. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of vibe. So so we do a lot of like – so we put a rug now, colorful, fun rug. And right. you can get these for about 100 to 200 bucks yep. depending on the size. Uh, a 4 by 6 to an 8 by 10 depending on – you can kind of look up. Like if you just want to look up like what size rug do I put in here? Yeah. There's – you just Google that. Yeah. And they'll help you based off the size of your room and what you have. Uh-huh. And my wife does all this this part of like kind of the vibe up stuff. But uh, we put a rug under every couch. Okay. Kind of living space. Is that to, is that to define the space? It's it, in a way Holly really likes it because it kind of like disti- creates a distinction. It's a barrier. Like that's it's a, it's this a room, space. It's a room barrier. Yeah. yeah. Got it. And then we put a rug under every bed. Okay. Yeah. Um, which also adds a lot of life. It yeah. adds some comfort. Some people like getting out of bed. If you yeah. Know, we have a, we have mostly you know wood floors. Yeah. Concrete floors or you know. Um, you know, different types of wood planks. Yeah. And so, you know, they step onto the, and it adds some cool color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do a lot of um, just kind of poppy, fun, colorful, like artwork. Yeah. That it depends on what it is. Like if we're in the mountains, like our mountain stuff up in Mount Chasset, it's much more like to that vibe. Yeah, for sure. Um, some of our writing stuff is, is, is kind of in line with that as well, but we try to get a lot of color. Yep. Color pops in the artwork, mm-hmm. the rugs. It doesn't have to just be, so we do a lot of canvases and things like that, but it can also be like pieces. Well, like we have like snowshoes, like yeah. old snowshoes we yeah, put yeah. on the walls or old skis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's stuff that's easy to replace because you know it's high it's high traffic too. Yeah. And so it's just like you know that, hey, every every year we need to assess, at least every two years, that rug, we need to update that rug. The art the art's not that well. I was just I just had a funny thought in my head, like, well, the quality of furniture amenities, I'm like, if it can't with if it can't withstand someone having sex on it's probably not sturdy enough, right? That's a good it's a, point. So it's just like, so it's like whether it's yeah. the couch or the coffee table or like the I bed. actually, actually like, one mistake I, I think I made, but I, there's not a real way to go against, <laughs> away from it right now. I bought a ton yeah. of this black steel metal bed frame. Yeah. That's really strong. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I went to the metal bed frame because I had a bunch of people breaking <laughs> my wood slat bed frames. Like a number of people yeah, yeah, breaking them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. these were these were like you know, Wayfair style yeah, yeah. beds. Um and then like they kinda just have these janky 
um, you know, wooden slats. Yeah. They just kept snapping. Because yeah, people yeah. either jumping on them or just, just <laughs> banging on them. And so I went metal, right? Yeah, Which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But and we we have one. Yeah. We have the same bed. I like yeah. the look of it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a sleek. The metal bed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? A sleek metal bed frame. Yep. Really simple. But those things, when you, when you, uh, when people are having sex on them. Yeah. They squeak. That's true. Like crazy, bro. That's true. We've got and like so every time I get a you know somebody writes it yeah, in the yeah, review yeah. or like a private comment like hey the bed was super comfortable but the bed frame was squeaking. <laughs> I'm like I know what you were doing because the only time mine squeaks is when we're uh, did you just shaking. respond back? Nice work. <laughs> nice work. Good job. Wow, we're really Good job. We're really digressing here. Yes. But, um, so now I'm like, well, I, I mean, I'm pot committed, dude. That's right. I've, I've got like 30 of these things, okay. you know, right. yeah. I won't buy any more. Okay. All right. But, All right. Um, but then, and then, and then, and then I see what you're doing here. We do a lot of fake plants. Fake plants. I have a glass. I, I'm actually a fan of live plants, but strategic live plants. We do some of that too. Yeah. Succulents, right? Yeah. You know, that, that are more air, arid and they actually make air plants that too, that you can positionally place sure. that don't need a lot. I like. I think it add. It does add an element or a layer of context to your space. And yeah. I personally just think that people enjoy them. Though it brings yeah. life into your sp- into your space. But that's also a business decision. You have to train your cleaners. You have to do more follow up and follow through to it. It's another thing that can die or break. Yeah. Right. But yeah. What what just so for people know, he's pointing to the corner of the room, and I bought at IKEA a glass cylinder with these fake green reeds in them. And I'm just yeah. like, hey, I need something to spruce up. Right. So yeah, so you get you get some different so with your rugs. So so my kind of strategy is this. Mm-hmm. So so I get in through my build. I do you know I do white walls, white trim. Um, you know I'll often have concrete, like, you know concrete gray countertops. Yep. You know I'll do like black hardware. Yeah. You know I've got um, you know tile in the showers, like subway tile, yep. some gray grout. You know so I got a lot of grays and grouts. Often the floors are brown, like like some different some type of wood or mm-hmm. faux wood yeah you, know, so you got some browns in there you know some cedar accents so i've got a lot of you know just through the build yeah. you know stainless steel appliances so i've got you know some woods yep. some whites some grays some blacks yeah you know you know so maybe, that's maybe kind of the maybe, look yeah wood, wood tan caramel that's it yeah right and so then i use all the pop. additions to pop yeah, so yeah. i get I, so i get other colors so i get my you know, reds, yellows, blues yep. in my rugs, yep. my artwork. I get my greens out of my plants. Yep. Um, Your throw and, pillows. Yeah, and then you have throw pillows with some fun designs yeah, on them. Yeah, um, sure. You know, get some fun designs. Yeah, definitely throw pillow, yep. you know, mm-hmm. on both the bed and the couch. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so then that's where you can get kind of your color pop. And then so you've got some really cool basic kind of gentle stuff, and then you color pop it with all the other yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, and then it's kind of, you know, it works for everybody. And and that's where I think that people do feel the space as soon as they walk into it. Like, was this designed just for Airbnbs? Which means like, for me, it's everything's tile, t- tile throughout the whole house. Right. And it's not good or bad, right or wrong. It's just, uh, and, and from a business owner, I'm like, this is genius. Like it's unbreakable. <laughs> like if you have cement floors, polished cement floors, like mm-hmm. it's idiot proof. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like, but I, I lean towards, I'm like, well, if it's going to be rental regardless, you're going to pay the 165 bucks a night to, to, to rent it anyway. You're only going to be there for like, what, five hours sleeping? So, I mean, you're, you're going to position the space for the type of renter that you are going to eventually attract and give you positive reviews. If someone's going to come with a different expectation or it didn't meet their expectations, you're going to, it's going to be reflected in the reviews. I think we might have to save reviews for another episode. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if we can get to it today. So, 
So I think the next topic that we're going to have to do is this idea of, you know, five-star reviews. You know, the, the tagline of this show uh, uh, is, you know, five-star business practices for short-term rental operators. But how much of that is can be set, like in any relationship, business or personal, in proper expectation setting, whether that is in, in the listing, whether it is in the fine details, whether that's in the uh, the guest communication during the stay and the, the follow-up as far as requesting the, the review itself, that uh, is, I think we're going to save for another episode, but I think really important to the overall process. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Any other, uh, I mean, I thought this was really fun. I mean... We still have a half bottle of tequila, but you know what? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna settle up because we're already we're an hour and twenty three, which is pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm so not I'm just warming up. I, well, well, I mean, I, I think we might do a, a, a follow up episode real fast because I have another topic because we're in the space right now that we're in. But um, so with that, we're gonna close up the topic. So thanks, thank you for sharing about your your sale. And then, I mean, the amenities. I didn't know the amenities would would have taken an hour, but I'm glad it did. And there's probably stuff we didn't cover. And if people have any questions about the amenities, I mean, we talked pre-show about this idea of do you provide bikes? Do you provide kayaks? Depending on whether you're close to the beach or to a lake or to a mountain, mm. um, how much do you? How much uh, thought do you go into? We've talked about you know, hey, your proximity to downtown. You know, we're close to Turtle Bay, and you go. You know, there's different things that if you're not a local, you wouldn't know about, and isn't advertised well. How much forethought do you have? Do you give to your renters of like, hey? I mean, I, like where we're at right now, we're three minutes away from the river trail, from the Sacramento River. I mean, hey, a, a really easy thing to do is take five minutes, walk down the trail. There's 18 miles of trail if you want to walk, if that's your thing. Like forethought into the stay itself I think is really cool. Um, but we'll get that to that to another episode. Any last thoughts for listeners regarding amenities, Christian Taylor? Oh, we could go on forever about amenities. We just, we just scratched the surface, but... Um... I think it's a great it's a great start and i do i do probably want to do a follow-up about our amenities of, of this idea of having um both you know the idea of extras uh disposable extras we can do and then also uh, like like the idea of like i don't know extras like stuff that's cheap to buy but that can get destroyed um uh, that might be easy to, to to add into this day and then and this then this idea of um creating an instagram moment whether that's in the landscaping, whether that's in the surroundings, whether that's in the space itself, like, like you know, some you know, does something in your space compel someone to be like, holy crap, let me get my phone out and post this thing because I'm here. Like, what what compels people to market for me mm. is an interesting uh, you know equation or, or or thing to workshop through because a lot of it is standard excellence. Like, I look at your space and there's a, st- a level there's a level and a standard of excellence. That's above average and people feel it. Right. And I want, and I think that I, I, I also want to take that too. Like I'm looking at my quartz countertops and backsplash. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm like, yeah, I, I could have just regular countertops. I'm like, yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Because it's going to be reflected in the reviews. Yeah. But what is, you know, this idea of what, what is a social media moment that we can create, whether interior or externally outside of your space, um, that would just be cool. That doesn't cost a ton of money to add on to the bill. So yeah, those are some thoughts. Um, but as always, this uh, this podcast only reflects the experience of the two participants in the conversation, Christian and I. We are not uh, in any in any realm of the imagination uh, experts or uh, 
uh, professionals. We're not legal professionals. We're not, uh, we're not giving financial advice, legal advice, real estate advice, or any other sort of advice. Uh, we do this purely for fun. Please don't make any buying decisions based off of anything we say. With that, thank you for listening to episode eight, and uh, we will catch you on the next one. Peace out.